how do you stand out? We're gonna to talk today to Wiz, who is a brand and retail strategist. She's got her own company helping people understand how to build brands, how to understand retail. Look, so how do you stand out? Because it does feel like a large part of this is capturing attention and building brand relationships. It's about really understanding your market, where your market is going, what the gaps are. Generally, most people start a business because they, they see or they felt a gap. And then it's how that you're communicating it to people, which can be a number of things. What's your what's your business mean? What are the values? What's that initial, I suppose, brand identity is really key because that's going to capture people's attention straight away. But also kind of what's your elevator pitch? What's a one line that demonstrates what your brand does and how it helps uh, solve the problem that they have? Our mission is to help 10 million people start and grow a business for free. We want nothing from you. In Pep Talk, we interview industry-leading experts from around the world who share actionable know-how and life lessons. That's why we're excited to partner with GoDaddy to power up Pep Talk. I've been using GoDaddy for years and would promote them on this podcast even if they didn't sponsor us. You can use their free website builder and start your online business at no cost and even get help these days with naming your business. For 40% off GoDaddy tools, click the link in the podcast notes below and use the code GDXPEPTALK. How do you stand out? We're going to talk today to Wiz, who is a brand and retail strategist. She's got her own company helping people understand how to build brands, how to understand retail. And if you want to learn about how to stand out, this is what you've got to listen to today. Wiz, thank you for joining us. Maybe we could start off the podcast by perhaps you first introducing a little bit about yourself and what your company does. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my name is Wiz. Um, I've been in the retail industry for a long time, nearly 20 years. Um, and I started my career at Selfridges, which was amazing. Um, I was there for 12 years. I was head of beauty buying. Uh, I then went to work for um, for a couple of brands uh, as a director. And then I started my own business, Wiz & Co. And I work with a variety of brands from startup brands who are looking to scale uh, to established brands, retailers, uh, and also investors looking to um, kind of scope out who they should be investing in. Now, we really want to know how to stand out. We're going to come to that in a minute. But before we do, I'm really interested in entrepreneur stories. So how did you end up starting your own business? Well, I got made redundant, which is the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, I like to say it was third time lucky because I'd been through the process a couple of times before uh, at previous companies. Um, so although... I think you get knockbacks in life and I've had quite a few. I think all of them, when you look back on them, can be super powerful in taking that next step in your business. Um, so for me, I just immediately, I mean, that afternoon I came home and started researching what I wanted to do. Um, and it was actually a bit of a relief for me. It, it was something that I was thinking about moving on, what was next, but I didn't really know. So it gave me a bit of a kickstart. Um, but for me, I really focused on my network. Um, everybody that I suppose I'd met in my previous kind of 15 years in business um, and really started just having conversations with people. Um, so meeting people I already knew, uh, going to new events, um, connecting with people. And I think the more you talk about what you do, what you're good at, um, where you might want to go and people give you feedback and you get into a conversation, I think that can be a really powerful way to kind of understand, A, what your sweet spot is, um, because you have to be focusing on your zone of genius, which is that balance of what you're good at, your experience, but also what you love. 
I think it's fascinating when I want the listeners to pick up on this point that sometimes bad luck is good luck. So perhaps being made redundant, you wouldn't be where you are today if, if you hadn't had that, I guess, considered bad luck moment. But equally, I find it really interesting. Why did you not quit earlier? Um, because I hadn't, what, the job that I was made redundant from? Yes. Yeah, because I hadn't been there that long, um, probably 18 months. And I, I had this feeling that... I needed to do two years, which was a bit crazy, really. Um, I thought I would look good on my CV or, yeah, and I didn't, I suppose there was something in me that didn't want to give up, even though it wasn't right, or I didn't want to take a, a risk of um, not having another job to go to. Um, and But actually, in hindsight, I'd been at Selfridges for 12 years before. It wouldn't have had a huge amount of impact. Um, so on reflection, I could have done. Um, but actually, it worked out. It did work out better for me that way. So um, yeah, hindsight's great. <laughs> a lot of listeners will relate to this, I think. You know, it, you, we almost create um, traps for ourselves, you know, a, a system uh, in our heads that say, oh, well, I need to make my CV look better. Well, frankly, if you quit and start your own business as you have done and become very successful, then you don't really need a CV anyway. So it's it's kind of a almost like a pointless a construct there, which I think a lot of people listening might well also be in, and so it's a really good learning. And um, but but we're really lucky to have you on the podcast today. I know, and so I'm glad they made you redundant because perhaps we wouldn't. And um, and so I, I I would love to understand a little bit about how you went about building your own personal brand strategy at the beginning. What was your process? Uh, it's been quite a journey, actually, and I had a big pivot um, at the beginning of 2022. Sorry. Yeah, 2020. Sorry, it's 2022 now um, when COVID hit, basically. So I've kind of had two iterations of my business, really. Uh, the first one was, I suppose, discovery and um, kind of networking with people, meeting people, working on consultancy projects with big businesses such as Dermalogica, um, Ocado, Next. Um, and I was doing a little bit with independent brand founders. Um, but then again, COVID hit. It's all of my business that I had being doing consultancy, it's not secure. You take that risk. Um, all of that business stopped that I had coming in. So again, I was like ground zero again. So it was a big pivot time for me. So I think that's, I suppose, the the, the key bit that I've learned from as well is actually um, I had to really promote myself and I had I kind of had to look at myself as a brand. I was already in the process of rebranding my business to Wiz & Co. And I hadn't really focused on that at all and didn't really have, a, I suppose, a business name or much of a, uh, I suppose, a, an identity um, other than me. Um, so I created that and I um, really put myself out as a thought leader in, uh, I suppose, in the digital space through hosting my own webinars, uh, which some of them I had, I had about four or five people turn up. One of them I had one person turn up less than two years ago. I did a trend webinar um, last week and I had over 300 signups, which was amazing. So like seeing that growth and that steady, I suppose, persistence and dedication, I was able to build up my profile, which I kind of had in the industry with people I knew, but it was word of mouth and you're very easily forgotten when you're no longer at Selfridges. Um, so I had to, yeah, keep top of mind for people by doing a lot of my own events, talking on other with other partners on podcasts or uh, their webinars um, and being very active on social me media. I think, again, it's interesting for people to pick up on some of the insights you've, you've brought to the table there. I think that there is, of course, a, a tendency to build a personal brand 
and a company band, brand. And I think having a company brand, I think building a company brand is harder than building a personal brand. A personal brand is obvious who you are. As long as you're authentic and you can be consistent, then, then it's somehow over time easier. But building a company brand feels a lot harder. But you've kind of mixed the two, haven't you? Yeah, and I think you have to. Um, and I see so many businesses, service-based and product-based, that certainly product-based, that they're hiding behind the product. And that is actually what will make you stand out and unique. Nobody is nobody's the same. And there's so many brands out there now that actually that personality that's coming through is really important. Um, but again, it, it's hard. Um, yeah, I hadn't done anything on video until two years ago. I look back at my original videos and they're very different to the way, way they are now. Um, but it's, it's experience, it's building confidence, it's kind of taking it stepping stones um, and, and how you can kind of get through that process. And the other thing that you said that I don't want the audience to miss, which I think I think is crucial, is you're, if you're selling and you've got a client base, don't stop selling. <laughs> it, you know, that client base can turn over, especially in the service business in particular. The clients can cut their budgets. Uh, the leadership team can change. The strategy can be different the following year. So when you think you've got all these clients and, and you've got enough, the biggest mistake I think service businesses make is stop selling at that point. Um, I don't know yeah. if you've had that, that same feeling, but um, definitely when you're describing, I mean, of course, uh, the um, uh, we call him Colin to avoid the algorithm problem. But when Colin came into our life, um, then um, then basically that caused everyone to have to pivot. But I think in business, you have to pivot anyway. I mean, I, I know myself, I, I built an agency for 15 years. I think every three years we had to pivot for one reason or another. You know, websites weren't as popular, so we had to get more to e-commerce websites. You know, that, so those sorts of permanent tweaks um, are part of your life, even if Colin isn't in your life. But have you found that even now, like your, your way you're, you're doing business over the last two years, of course, has changed for everyone. But do you find you're still evolving? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's what I love as well. Um, and actually having been a buyer before, um, you have to be, I suppose, a trend forecaster. You've, you were always looking what was coming ahead. And so much of that was about consumer behavior. So actually, that's kind of helped me, um, I suppose, think about, well, what, what do people want um, and what's coming down the line? And, and I suppose I have quite an instinct for that, uh, which is why I talk about consumer trends quite a lot. Because again, that's where you see these brands suddenly deemed to pop up out of nowhere and people are like well established brands often well where have they come from they're taking our market share we don't understand it's like they've seen a gap in the way people are behaving or a shift or a change and they've adapted to that quite quickly uh, so when that change starts to kind of i suppose really starts bubbling and exploding then they're there and that's where you kind of see these businesses that uh, suddenly everyone's talking about them well, I can just hear my listeners. I know what they're thinking. They're thinking, okay, tell us a trend. Help us see the future. What is that gap? Any insights on that front? What's coming? Yeah, I think the for any type of business, it's all around digital. Like it's it's either very communicating things very quickly um, because we're all consuming so much content. Things like TikTok, everything's very, very quick. We're literally flipping and scrolling through everything, which means we don't remember very much. So people have to see your message multiple times and they have to understand what you do in literally less than a few seconds. So it's having that elevator pitch, really communicating things succinctly. Um, but on the flip side to that, 
um, is how can you build, um, I suppose, more in-depth experiences with customers and clients and build loyalty? Because actually that's where you're going to get, um, I suppose, people coming back to you, um, kind of really choosing to um, purchase with you um, and also then telling their friends about you as well. So it's kind of the two extremes. It's not just about posting on social media now. I think it's do less, make it more thoughtful, but make sure the messaging is really, really, really clear um, um, for that, I suppose, short impact. But then also, how can you kind of take people on a journey, give them an experience, make them feel special? Yeah, and I think the way I translate what you're saying there is, and, and I, I hate to use this word, but it kind of in a way does work. It's, there's a funnel element to it. So you've got that kind of three seconds, get people's attention so they understand what you do. And then you lead them, I think, through to a meaningful community, uh, a, a deep, meaningful environment that connects you, the brand and them. So you help each other. You understand what they need. They, they, they buy, buy them telling you, hopefully. And equally, you then provide them with what they need and, and provide uh, the, the service they're actually needing. And so is that fair? Is that, or is that too simplistic? No, it absolutely is a funnel. Um, I, and you can call it lots of different things. Like I often refer to it, I work with a customer journey framework. Um, yeah, that's which I much break nicer. It down, break customer it down into, into six steps. And I suppose it sounds a little bit less salesy in a way because it is taking people on a journey. Um, and you don't, it's very rare you see something and buy it immediately unless it's, I suppose, an FMCG product where you're just, I need a toothbrush and I'm just going to buy that. Um so, yeah, it is a journey and it's about building that awareness, capturing people's interest. But that is just the start. I see so many people just focusing on capturing people's attention and f forgetting about that kind of those other five steps, which are so, so valuable. And actually, then you get kind of a repeat into the funnel, because if you've nurtured those people and they love you so much, they're going to tell their friends about you. And then it's their, those new people are coming directly into the beginning of your customer journey or funnel much more organically. If this podcast is inspiring you to start or grow a business, then I recommend you use Taylor Brands. They are our sponsor for this podcast and they help you not only craft a brand, but design merchandise and so much more. In the last year, I've used this site for every single one of my businesses. I couldn't recommend them more. And we've even negotiated a 40% off discount code for you. Just use PEP, P-E-P, when using their website to make your booking. Now, let's get back to the podcast. Let's talk about the, the sales journey, the six steps sales journey. So number one, capture people's attention. I'm, you know, that's how I'm putting it. I don't know if that's the right way to put it. I'd love yeah. to hear the other five. Yeah, so it's capturing their attention, which is that brand awareness thing. But, but people need to see your, your message multiple times. There's the marketing rule of seven I talk about a lot, which actually in the whole digital world can be much higher now. People need to see you uh, a lot of times before they start to recognize you. Um, then it's building interests. So you've captured their interest. How are you then creating different content or different interests? Uh, and I suppose educating people. There's a huge, edu huge education piece there as well. Um, and then it's kind of how can you kind of lead them to a place where they might be able to purchase from you? How can they find out more? Uh, which is um, super important because it's making sure actually you're getting, you've taken people through that, that beginning bit of the journey, but how are you getting them there? Um, and are you converting ultimately? So um, that's that also if you're getting spending all that energy getting people there, but you're not converting um, enough, that's a missed opportunity. Um, then how do you retain them? So you want to get them coming back again. So how can you get them to come back a second time um, is step four. And then step five is how do you build loyalty? So how do you get them coming back over and over again? So you want to get you kind of want to create these VIPs, how to give them a, an amazing experience where they're buying 
different products from your range or services um, or kind of buying on kind of multiple occasions. And then the last one, which so many people forget, is how do you create brand advocates? Because this is where the magic happens, because you have those little customers and they love you so much. They're having such a great experience with you. They tell all, all their friends about you. So they're the advocates. They're the ambassadors. Um, and they're telling people about you, which, again, it's, it's free PR. It's free marketing. And I see so many people that jump into Facebook ads or Google ads or PR too early because they think I've just got to capture these customers. There's a bit of a, this is the only thing I know how to do that might work. But actually, people have only seen your brand once. Um, so there isn't that trust element there. But we do know that if our friends say, go and buy this, is amazing. Often, you don't need to see something seven times before you do it. You just do it because you trust them. The referral program is still so powerful and I yeah. agree with you, underutilized. And I always tell people when they're looking to start a business, you only need three customers. Once you have three customers that love you, they will go and promote you if you ask them to. Yeah. You've got to remember to ask them. Yeah, that's key. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Look, so how do you stand out? Because it does feel like a large part of this is capturing attention and building brand relationships. And so how do you, what is that formula? Uh, is, is there a magic formula? Um, it's it's not a cookie cutter approach, but it's about really understanding your market, where your market is going, um, what that what the gaps are. Generally, most people start a business because they they see or they felt a gap. Um, they've usually tried to do something themselves and, and struggled with it. Um, but you need to need to be really sure that is a gap. Um, and then it's how that you're communicating it to people, which can be a number of things. There's uh, what are the, what's your what's your business mean? What are the values? Um, what's that initial I suppose brand identity is really key because that's going to capture people's attention straight away. Um, but also kind of what's your elevator pitch? What's a one line that um, that demonstrates what your brand does and how it helps uh, solve somebody's the problem that they have. Uh, so this is like an emotive connection. Um, and there's a lot of fact-based, I suppose, brands where they say, uh, I'm a natural, sustainable skincare brand. Um, there's a lot of those out there now. <laughs> and eight years ago when Drunk Elephant launched, it, it was amazing. And they kind of really nailed the market, but the market's moved on. The market's changed. So how would you create that connection of, of the problem that you're solving for the customer. So I think that one question, um, I suppose if, if people take anything away is uh, how do you create the, the emotion um, when you deliver what you do? Which is interesting because, you know, you hear sayings like, you know, don't take it personally, business isn't personal and all those sorts of things. And I think that's total rubbish because I think it is all about emotion mm -hmm. and, and, and energy to your point. And so definitely making an emotional connection to people a story they can resonate with, for example, right? That that that, that can be so powerful as a brand tool. Um, but people don't leverage it enough. To your point, most people just want to say, these cookies are awesome. Um, they might say homemade, which is maybe the beginnings of it, but people think that's all fake anyway. <laughs> they don't go into the story of why they're making the cookies or they don't explain yeah. the, the, the motion behind what happens to the money that, 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 that selling those cookies generate, for example. Um, and so, yeah, there's really, really good advice there. And, and for yourself, out of interest, what is your one-liner? Be the brand your customers rave about. I mean, who doesn't want that? But right. no, I could great. say, oh, I'm a brand and retail strategy agency. Oh, you're. Oh, 
Not another one. Yeah, not another one. Here we go. <laughs> no, um. <laughs> no, but I, I hear you. No, and I think that that's a very good example. Um, so I was going to say earlier that sometimes um, with your own brand, you were talking it through that plumbers are always notorious for having bad plumbing themselves because they never get around to it. But I, I think that line you just delivered about your own business illustrates exactly your philosophy. And it does make me feel emotional when I hear that line. I want my brand to be loved by the people that use it and tell other people about it. That's so much more interesting. And it also, I think it is also, um, it's a clever marketing strategy, frankly, as well. I mean, this is where branding meets marketing, isn't it? And uh, but sometimes people think that branding is somehow something separate. It's a logo, but it's not really. It's a story, isn't it? Yeah, and it's it's a story and it's got to capture people's interest and attention. And, and my branding is is quite bright, but it, it kind of evokes a bit of move, movement, I suppose. When I briefed a branding designer, I, I really thought about what I wanted and I wanted it people to be excited by it, by the colours. They're kind of bright. Um, they kind of look like they're merging and moving a bit, um, kind of a bit of a softness with the copy and the text of the logo, um, but also bold as well. So it was kind of to reflect my personality in a sense of moving forward and change. Um, yeah, and it wasn't, I didn't want to be another consultancy brand that was like beige and a bit of burgundy and classic with a bit of gold. I don't know, no, I'm being really totally cynical. Sense. <laughs> no, and also we might get sued now of all the companies that do look like that, <laughs> saying what's wrong with us. But, um, yeah, but no, I get different. your point. And standing out in today's day and age, I mean, it's a bit like having a podcast show. Everyone's got a podcast show. You've really got to offer something different to make it worthwhile. And so it's, it's such good advice. On the trend side, I was really interested in that. You, you mentioned that, you know, there's, there's always these trends and you're doing forecasts on trends. What do you see in the retail section I mean, there's a lot of talk right now about metaverse and, and all of that sort of thing. What's what's your view? Where is it all going? Uh, it's always going to be a hybrid of omnichannel digital and uh, physical retail. And the digital will include the metaverse. Um, it is a kind of a, a new evolution. Um, I've seen statistics which um, saying in by 2030, uh, it's going to be 10% of all revenue, which is amazing. But that's 18 years away. So if it's right for your business now, um, absolutely get on that bandwagon. If you've got the time, capacity, uh, I think if you're in luxury, um, then, yeah, get on something early because a lot of those big luxury brands are very late to the digital table with launching a website, with launching social media. So, yes, it can be right with for, for that category. But I think it's understanding your business, uh, where your customer's hanging out. So the moment the metaverse is quite a, a younger demographic uh, and obviously those that demographic will, will, will age and they'll get older. So taking people on that journey. But I think we all see uh, the headlines of trends and news and we can all get kind of very... Um, I suppose, excited about it and sometimes wrapped up in it. It's a bit like seeing that retail's dead. So many people haven't bothered, but actually it's not. It's just evolving quickly. It's changing. Um, the statistics of physical retail have, have flipped back up to pre-pandemic times. So it's just changing. It's just with different retailers in different areas. So don't always believe the headlines. Um, Analyse it, look at it be objective and think, is this right for my business? Because there's so many avenues of, of ways you could potentially grow. Uh, but it's, I think it's understanding what's right for your business. And that's what I do a lot with, with clients as well, is, is trying to navigate those and understand those. And, okay, is this right? Or should you be focusing on this? And do you have the capacity? 
Yeah, and again, I think you know, not listening to the headlines, I, I agree. And history does repeat itself. You know, I see that retail environments are making a comeback if you can create an experience which ultimately leads to a connection with your community. So that's why Apple have opened up stores. You know, you only need to look at the market leaders to see that there's a combination. Yeah. If it was just online, they wouldn't have the same relationship with their genius uh, and the brand if they didn't do that. So people are thinking retail, you know, physical retail is, is dead. That's a mistake, mm -hmm. I think. But equally to overlook the metaverse, I think, would be a mistake. Yeah, agreed. It's 10%. Is ten percent, and you're the only player. <laughs> then uh, that will be a big Completely. market share. Yeah. But equally, but equally, I think it's also a little bit overhyped. Um, but I just to see a, an article about Mark Cuban talking about like he, you know, he, it reminds him of how he made his billions in the internet era, and mm. and don't don't overlook it. But definitely, you're, I think you're one hundred percent right. It, it's still you know don't it needs to be a mix. That, that's that's the I take away from what you're saying, and I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So um, to conclude, if um, as an entrepreneur yourself, if you went back and started your business again, and you were to kind of rethink how you started, what would you tell your younger self? You know, what what advice would you give now? You've gone through this experience of building this amazing business. Would there be anything you'd change? Oh, probably so much. I would invest in working with coaches and mentors earlier than I did. Um, definitely it's, it's a lonely road. Um, and I suppose I networked a lot, but actually having, I suppose that consistent person to who's ahead of the game, who's been there, who's done it, who's got the experience, that expert, um, I think it can just propel you forward quicker, um, and give you more clarity. Um, and I think finding the right person as well, somebody that aligns, that's quite similar to you in a way, because, you can try and implement other people's strategies or formulas. Um, but sometimes if that's not right for you, it doesn't necessarily work. So find somebody that matches your energy and, yeah, trust your trust your gut. So learn well, how to listen advice. to that because that's a, that's a journey as well. Yeah, and sometimes you don't know if your gut is wrong. <laughs> yeah. And so it's not your brain, therefore, um, although you're – brain is in your gut but people you know that whole concept yeah. that, is it actually right or am i just doing what i feel i want to do so yeah it's very good advice and actually a good way uh to end the podcast because i i think what you you have been a mentor to people today that's the whole point of this podcast that it's not easy to find a mentor and it's and coaches can be expensive so getting some help from someone like yourself by you taking time out of your busy day to share knowledge with us means a lot so thank you for doing that real pleasure to have you on the podcast thank you very much thanks for listening to pep talk we hope you enjoyed it don't forget to follow the purposeful project on all our social media channels where we're giving away even more free business secrets and entrepreneurial value again we'd like to thank our sponsor godaddy for powering this podcast from naming a business to buying a domain name to building your website for free godaddy has you covered for 40% off GoDaddy tools, click the link in the podcast note below and use the code GDX Pep Talk. See you next time, entrepreneurs. And remember, you're not alone.